COVID-19. Chances are that if, unless you've been living under a rock over the past nine months, you've heard of COVID-19 or coronavirus, or to some people, very, very extreme flu. Either way, this has been a virus that has torn through the world. It has caused so many countries to shut down, so many people to lose their jobs and their lives. Uh, worldwide, there have been 55.6 million cases with 1.34 million deaths. And in the US alone, there's been 12.2 million cases and 256,000 deaths. All of those numbers go up daily. And yet, people still refuse to quarantine. Why, might you ask, would people refuse to quarantine in such a dangerous time? It, a lot of them say that their rights are being violated by statewide and countrywide shutdown orders. However, that is not necessarily the case. Hello, I'm Evelyn Weldon, and this podcast is going to discuss constitutional rights and how the government has treated those constitutional rights in the U.S. over quarantine. Today we will discuss if, and possibly how, the United States government violated constitutional rights of American citizens during the coronavirus pandemic. I will explain the scope and absoluteness of constitutional rights in cases of national emergencies, as well as the government's authority to violate them with justifiable, compelling interest. I will also talk about the Commerce Clause of the Constitution and how the government uses it to implement federal and quarantine and isolation orders. Now, before we get into issues of the actual constitution itself, let's review some of the actions taken by the United States government that have been called into question by many protesters. When this coronavirus pandemic first hit the United States and started being a major problem in the United States, America was shut down, meaning travel was limited, if not completely limited, and not all non-essential businesses were closed down by federal mandate. The government has since reopened with many limitations, the non-essential businesses have been allowed to operate as long as they follow social distancing guidelines, meaning keeping patrons at least six feet away from each other at all times as much as possible, and mask man- federal mask mandates, which require people to wear masks as much as possible within indoor spaces outside of their own private homes. People, many protesters have called into question the mask mandates for indoor spaces outside of their homes because they believe it is a violation of their rights, which is not technically true, but I will get into that for further into this po- podcast. S- mo- many states have gotten into and out of lockdown or are, have gone through different phases such as Virginia, of said lockdown. Virginia is currently in the third phase, 
However, right now, at least different states have different mandates for this. Virginia has changed their mandates recently in light of this new wave coming that has brought about hundreds of thousands of coronavirus cases new every day in the U.S. alone. Virginia mandates include social distancing measures, so just keep a distance of six feet from others, and masks still must be worn at pretty much all times when people are in public. Most, a lot of these new, a lot of these new mandates come for, are in, are controlling restaurants, and some are controlling gyms, religious institutions, other public places, naturally. Restaurants now cannot be open for indoor service from midnight to 5 a.m. No alcohol can be sold, consumed, or possessed in any dining or other drink-selling establishments, such as wineries and breweries, after 10 p.m. Fitness centers and gyms must keep a 10-foot distance between patrons and and people are naturally required to wear masks at most times, if not all times. Social gatherings are limited to 25 people, 25 people or less. Masks must be worn at pretty much all times in public. Not necessarily outside, but other than outside, if you're inside, you gotta wear a mask. Religious institutions must comply with six-foot and mask rules to, in, in order to be able to continue to operate, which makes sense. So essentially, it's just the same as any other institution. A lot of people have been protesting against the mask thing because they believe it hinders their ability to be independent and it's the government trying to control what should be somebody's choice. However, the Constitution has a clause called the Commerce Clause that actually makes it so that the government can step in in times of national emergency in order to prevent things or try to hinder things, the progression of a pandemic, such as the progression of a pandemic. The Commerce Clause is found in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3 of the Constitution. It gives Congress the power to, quote, regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and among the Indian tribes. So it has nothing to do with actual quarantine and isolation. However, it gives Congress the authority to regulate commerce between states and with other nations, and depending on the definition, Quarantine orders can fall under that umbrella of authority. Taking this specific definition, it can be interpreted to mean that this clause only deals with the economic aspects of trade, and that's it. When this clause is used in a broad definition, it can be used to justify federal power over the, over the states in times of national emergencies that highly disrupt state trade. With the COVID-19 pandemic, it becomes disruptive because when people get infected, they cannot go to work. And if they cannot go to work, they cannot do their jobs. Well, 
unless they can work from home, but there are many cases in which that's not necessarily possible. And when nobody is doing their jobs, businesses suffer, and their abilities to participate in interstate and international trade are hampered. And that is where Congress's authority lies. Congress cannot use the Commerce Clause to quarantine individuals, per se. Their authority only goes in so far as the individual attempts to hinder, whether unintentionally or intentionally, whether the individual hinders or poses a risk to trade between states and different nations. For example, somebody who is just living at home and is going around with coronavirus, they cannot even, as long as they are not participating in anything that involves crossing state lines or crossing national borders, or participating in either type of trade, they cannot be quarantined by Congress. They cannot be ordered individually to quarantine. That is up to the localities and the states themselves to quarantine their own individuals. However, if that person decided to cross state lines or was participating in activities that could possibly spread COVID-19 across state and country lines, that is where that is where congressional authority would step in and they probably would have the authority to quarantine that individual. The Commerce Clause is found in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3 of the Constitution. Taking the specific definition, it can be interpreted to mean that this clause only deals with the economic aspects of controlling state and international trade. However, in cases of national emergencies, National emergencies typically do interrupt federal and within the trade among the states. When this clause is used in a broad definition, it can be used to justify federal power over the states in times of these national emergencies that highly disrupt state trade. For example, this pandemic, naturally, is very disruptive, especially since it is infecting citizens. When people are infected, they can't do their jobs, and when people can't do their jobs, businesses suffer, and when businesses suffer, their ability to complete and partake in foreign trade as well as interstate trade actually becomes hindered by a lot. So Congress has the ability to step in and do what they can to prevent this virus from spreading so that technically under the definition of the Commerce Clause, it prevents further hindrance of interstate trade. However, there is some controversy over this clause because it gives Congress a lot of power over the states. However, when it comes to such a national emergency such as this, it requires a more unified response. 
in order to be the most effective. The most now there are more specific responses taken by each state, and it does not. The Commerce Clause does not give Congress the ability to go up to random individuals and be like, "Hey, you need to isolate because you have coronavirus." That duty is up to the states and localities. The limits on this power are only in so far as it interferes with other state trades. So, for example, Congress could prevent individuals from traveling in between states if they are, especially if they are infected. However, if an individual within a state is not participating in any interstate or foreign trade, then Congress cannot tell that individual to quarantine because it does not fall under their power under the Commerce Clause. It gives Congress the power to quote regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Indian tribes. End quote. So. The Commerce Clause itself has absolutely nothing to do with quarantine and isolation. It gives Congress the power to, as it states almost directly, regulate commerce with other nations and with states. The Public Health Service Act was created to authorize the Secretary of Health and Human Services to lead federal public health responses. To medical emergencies, so under the Commerce Clause, the government has the authority to appoint that person or to create this act because it concerns federal trade, and federal trade is hindered or impeded when there are national emergencies. So, essentially, commerce derives. There is a specific place. From which Congress derives their federal authority to shut down America and to shut down those businesses and to place or、er, and to require masks and to put social distancing measures in place. With the Commerce Clause, Congress does not have unlimited authority to enact orders that hinder our other basic constitutional freedoms. Congress, as well as any other state or other government that enacts orders that infringe on our rights, must show that they have a governmental compelling interest to do so. A governmental compelling interest is anything that is not optional. It's not a preference. It's not a choice. It is essential or necessary to accomplish a goal that needs to be accomplished. So, in light of this pandemic, quarantine and isolation orders are huge infringements on our freedoms. Any legislation that is passed, even with Governmental compelling interest must be tested using the least restrictive means test. So even if the government needs to enact this legislation, it needs to be in such a way that 
it uses the least restrictive measures possible to accomplish the goal. Fed most of the overarching federal mandates seem to pass this test. The measures that vary from state to state are more subject to scrutiny because they have even more restrictive measures, but it also depends on the state. For example, Alabama has a stay-at-home order in effect until December 11th. Arizona is a bit less restrictive, and businesses of ga and gatherings of up to 50 people are permitted to operate if they meet certain safety standards. So in restaurants, people need to wear masks everywhere but their tables. Just little things like that that have become commonplace in today's society. California. Now, California's plan is weird because they did it based on... They have different restrictions for different counties based on how widespread the infection is in each county, meaning COVID-19. They must stay at home and cannot gather from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. So they are not allowed to go anywhere between those hours, nor are they allowed to have any gatherings, not just gatherings under 10 people, like zero people. For counties with the most widespread infections policy that I, that I have encountered so far. The governor encouraged counties to create their own reopening plans in Kansas. Now Kansas has the least restrictive and a state plan to reopen in phases exists, but counties are not required to follow it. So this is putting most of the responsibility on the counties to enact those laws and restrictions to prevent the spread of coronavirus. Now this could go either really well or really poorly depending on the county. However, depending on the county legislation, at least for the at least for the state of Kansas, Kansas has the least restrictive plan that I've seen yet. There are some there are some laws even in Virginia that can be contested. The measures that I find to be the most unnecessary are the curfew are the curfew orders. So for Virginia, it's not necessarily a curfew, but it does kind of relate to that. And in California, where places cannot stay cannot be open and people cannot be out from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. There is no there is no evidence that a curfew actually slows or stops the spread of the pandemic during those hours. Especially since people usually are not out past those hours. Therefore, it, it does not seem to pass the least restrictive means test because there, there's not a legitimate interest in it because it's not effective. If, it was show, if curfew was shown to actually be effective, for example, the masks have been proven to be effective in at least slowing the spread of coronavirus. So that is a justifiable, like, that follows least restrictive means in that it is the least restrictive way to allow people into public spaces without just freely spreading the entire virus. However, a curfew, it's very unnecessary, especially since it has not been proven to be effective. So that does not pass the least restrictive mean test, means test, and therefore it can be unconstitutional. The good news for people who do not appreciate these laws is that the government is allowed to enact them as long as we are allowed to 
check them for it. So you see, essentially a check that the citizens have on the government is if a citizen finds a law to be unnecessary, if a citizen finds a law to be unnecessary or more restrictive than it should be, they have the right to take it to court. They have the right to take the government to court and contest it in front of a judge and jury. And even even if they end up losing the case, even if the government finds it to be, finds it to be necessary and it passes the least restrictive means test, that citizen has the right to contest it. And that is a huge key. That is a huge part of this because it, it, or it guarantees due process. So if our rights are infringed upon, we have every right to contest that infringement. And if it works, then that infringement is lifted. However, if it does not work, then the government keeps it enacted, but they must, in court, that is where they must justify it. In conclusion, to everybody who believes that their constitutional rights are being violated by quarantine and mask orders, your rights are not actually being violated. Granted, nobody really wanted this pandemic. However, the government is doing what it can to help a nation of millions of people reduce the effects of the pandemic as much as they can. And they have the authority to do so under the Commerce Clause. There are some mandates that have come into question, but citizens are allowed to contest those rights in court if they believe their rights are being unreasonably violated. The government must have a compelling interest, in this case public safety, to restrict constitutional freedoms. While most people do not want to quarantine or wear masks everywhere, it is essential for preventing the spread of the virus in whatever ways we can. To everyone out there who took time out of their day to listen to this podcast, thank you very much, and I hope it was informative. Stay safe, wear your mask, and have a wonderful rest of your day.